Gumption. Defined as initiative, aggressiveness, resourcefulness, courage, spunk, guts, common sense, and shrewdness. Welcome to the podcast. This is Stories of Gumption with your host, Ryan Lee. Alrighty, here we are, everybody. Another episode of the Stories of Gumption podcast. We're at number 15. Number 15 already. Thank you to everybody who's stuck around from episode one or early on. If this is your first time ever listening, I hope you enjoy. We have a really good one today. Uh, Should be a lot of fun. Should be uh, enlightening. And we should have a really good time. Um, What are we talking about here? Stories of Gumption. Uh, conversations with entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and in my opinion, really, really impressive people. We have uh, sponsors to talk about real quick. Uh, Open Gate Farmstead. Open Gate Farmstead is a first-generation farm specializing in free-range poultry, pasture-raised pork, and seasonal produce. The farm is run using a simple principle. Happy animals make the healthiest and tastiest product. So check them out on YouTube on uh, Facebook or Instagram, uh, and for Gumption listeners, they are taking a dollar off your first order of eggs. So I love what they're doing with the local farm-to-table movement. They're doing a lot of good things. Check them out. Uh, We also have sponsorship from Kavanaugh Realty. They're a local independent real estate company helping their neighbors buy and sell their homes. Check them out on the web and social media, hashtag local matters. We also have a featured sponsor for this episode, Sparka-Clean. They provide professional and economic cleaning solutions to residential and commercial structures. They specialize in window cleaning, floor care, carpet extraction, and auto and boat detailing. Give them a call for a free estimate at 518-578-2931 or find them on Facebook, Instagram at Sparka-Clean. S-P-A-R-K-I-K-L-E-E-N. That's Zach and Kate Hoyt. I've met them through the Adirondack Young Professionals, actually. Phenomenal people. They're doing great things. They really care about this community. And uh, if you have a a cleaning uh, service need, give them a call. 518-578-2931. All right. So, today, uh, I am with... A very gumptious individual. I, uh, I I feel privileged uh, to be able to have this conversation and share it with you all today. Um, you sort of put together your list of people that you totally want to talk to ahead of time, and uh, this fine woman is one of them. She is a past Clinton County legislator for the Area 7. She is a past treasurer of the Clinton County government. She's a former New York State Assemblywoman for the 114th and 115th District, and she's an advocate for all citizens in the North Country. I am pleased to welcome to the podcast, Janet Dupree. Good morning. Thank you. Janet, thank you so much for uh, volunteering your time. I know you're super busy now, uh, now that you're out of the Assembly. It seems like when you volunteer... uh, you're always super busy. I know that with uh, a lot of volunteers in, in scouting, they, t- they volunteer and then they get 
more busy? Would you say you're more or less busy than you were? I will never be as busy as I was during my 10 years in the assembly. (laughs) Seven days a week, uh, I think an average of at least 60 hours a week, and there's no way. I enjoy my volunteering. I do what I want to do. Been pleased to be asked for many events, but never will I meet that standard again. That's a, that must be, that must be just a whole nother level of busy. Like It, it was. And, and after I retired, you know, as people said to me that, and most people come up to me and say, Hey, you look pretty good. You really look good. And I thought, you know, I didn't realize I was stressed until I wasn't. And I, I think that you just kind of get used to doing what you're doing and living to the level you're doing. But it, it is very nice right now. I have most of my weekends off. Uh, I, I mean, occasionally I, agree to do something, but it had been years since I had can say that I didn't have something on weekends. You know, people, even when I was in county government, there were often things going on politically where people expected me to show up. And certainly in the assembly, I don't know that there were many weekends, if any, that somebody didn't have something and they like to have the assembly woman there. And I love to be there. Mm. Um, I'm not complaining about it, but you do it and and you just don't think about it because it's, it's fun. But, um, once it was done, I realized I was exhausted. <laughs> like, holy smokes, I have another, I have a Saturday to myself. Yeah. I can play. It, yeah. You have to get some more hobbies, I suppose, right? <laughs> you know, the big thing, Ryan, was I could watch Sunday afternoon football. <laughs> yes. I'm a huge football fan, and I, I, I would, that would be the only time I would get resentful is that I would be saying, I could be home watching football and I'm <laughs> driving to Tupper Lake or wherever. So <laughs> now, now I have to ask the question now what is your favorite football team? I'm a long-standing, suffering Jets fan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I lived in a subway station away from the Jets when they opened at Shea Stadium. Oh, wow. And so I, I've stayed loyal. Uh, I also am a Patriots fan because okay. I, like, I like to also root for somebody who wins. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and they certainly win. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, Tom Brady, controversial player. You either yeah. love him or you hate him. Yeah. But uh, he's he's a phenomenal quarterback. I, I, I admire his stick-to-itiveness and his ability at his age and I guess that's part of it it's in the last few years I've become a really a supporter of the Patriots and and my family are Giants fans so Mm. (laughs) and he kind of changed the script a little bit because when he showed up he was not a all-star draft pick he was I forget his number I don't know sports statistics very well but I know he wasn't drafted very high and I know when he ran the 40 meter dash he was really slow like they were People in Beekman Town playing football, including myself, that were running as fast as Tom Brady. But he's got all those other skills that are just, yes. yeah. Anyhow, I digress early. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you you said you grew up around um, uh, Shea Stadium? No, I just, I or spent a year there. You spent a but year there. But it happened to be the year that the Jets started there. So. Okay. So tell bring me back a little bit. So tell me about your childhood and what you like to do and what, what you did for fun and, and where you grew up, all that kind of I fun stuff. I grew up in Peru. Okay. A lifelong Peru resident for most parts. I stayed, mm-hmm. went away for a couple of years, but um, my dad was an IBEW electrician. Yeah. Ran his own business for a while. My parents actually moved here. They, they both interestingly grew up here. Uh, did not know each other. My dad grew up in Keysville. My mom grew up in Peru. Uh, they met in New York City. Oh wow! Um, again, you know, is is really when their romance blossomed, and um, they moved up here, nineteen forty-five, uh, and and settled in, and never even took a, a thought about moving away again. So, 
Uh, again, my dad, uh, IBW, worked major construction. Um, wow. Like the World Trade Center and the Legislative Office Building in Albany, uh, the prisons and the schools and that sort of thing. The consequence of that was he died of mesothelioma oh, caused wow. by asbestos. Oh, wow. Uh, be yeah. 25 years in June. Oh, wow. Um, my mom was a member of the Calkins family, the Calkins farm. Mm-hmm. She um, was a nutritionist by profession and uh, a stay-at-home mom, as, as most moms were during that time, and yep. worked part-time at the uh, at the preschool. But um, it was a very satisfying upbringing. It was comfortable. It was uh, certainly a loving family. And uh, when I was about 10-ish mm-hmm. in that area was when Plattsburgh Air Force Base sh- showed up. Oh, wow. Scene. So our little community that our house is, uh, and it continues to be, not where I live anymore, but where I grew yeah. up, is, it was on Main Street in Peru. And everything around us was, across the road was all woods. And I remember when they started cutting down all the trees and putting up all these houses and everybody started moving in. I mean, it oh, certainly wow. changed the, uh, and, and for the for the better. I'm not, yeah. being, you know, it, certainly a lot of folks moved in. We had more diversity. We had uh, the opportunity to have a lot more friends. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, but yeah, I that was the era that I grew up in in Peru, graduated from the Peru school and... Um, it was good. It was a, you know, my favorite memories of, of being a child were at our camp in Willsboro. It, they're still my favorite memories. They're still my favorite place uh, to sit on the lake and, That's and, awesome. and enjoy the water. And uh, we now have six generations there at that camp. Oh, wow. That's and, awesome. It, it is incredible. And we are so blessed and so fortunate. And so, but we, we had some great family times there. Yeah. You know, I I find some of the most uh, therapeutic moments in my life are when I can go out on a camp or just relax and it's like unplug everything and just let it be the natural ambiance around you. I loved it as a child and I will say to you that it was just last summer, so two years after I retired, that I spent six weeks there after doing generally about five or six days a year. Mm -hmm. And it was that six weeks that made me realize that retirement's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I waited all my adult life for, and I'm not going back. (laughs) Yeah. No, well, congratulations. And and we certainly benefited from your time prior to your retirement, I, I would say. So I ask this question to everybody on the podcast, or mostly everybody. What would you say your definition of gumption is? I would look at gumption as saying that you have a sense of determining what's right and wrong. Mm. Uh, It's not always black and white, Mm. but that you have the courage to stand up for what you believe in and you stick with it and you don't back down. Yeah. That I assume, I don't know, but I assume is something that a lot of politicians in general struggle with. Seems like there's a lot of pressure to you know you want to do the right thing but there's a lot of other pressures you're absolutely right tell me more about that experience I mean for a little bit I mean from your perspective well I think that I could give a couple of examples Um, certainly one being the same-sex marriage that's probably the most visible one Mm -hmm. and when I ran for office for the assembly in 2006 uh, I said I was not in support of same-sex marriage. I supported civil unions. Mm-hmm. 
not long after I got into the assembly, I was approached by a young man by the name of Jeff Cook, who was the head of the log cabin Republicans, came in and started talking to me about, um, you know, and it evolved into being called marriage equality, but Mm -hmm. whatever we want to call it, it was the same thing, the rights of people to marry the person they love. Yep. And Jeff and I had some great discussions, uh, told him, you know, my concerns, and, and he was very respectful. He kept coming back respectfully and brought in a lot of reading material for me about the 1,100 legal rights that civil unions did not provide for people. And as he gave me that, and I said to him, you know, I'm going to read it, the bill came up for a vote. Mm Mm-hmm. I will say forever that Teresa Sayward, my colleague and friend, um, and we've been friends since we were teenagers in Willsboro, she probably gave the best speech I have ever heard on the floor of the state assembly when she spoke in favor of that bill. Um, She talked a lot about her oldest son who was gay. And I had a hard time voting no on that. I truly had a hard time voting no. And I... I did because I felt I could come home and explain to my constituents a no vote but better than mm. I could a yes vote, mm. partly because of what I had said during the campaign, but mostly because I really wasn't there yet. Mm. Came home and started meeting with constituents, called some of my friends, um, those who I knew might be for it, those I, who I knew were for it, um, members of the gay and lesbian community, uh, including some relatives. I spoke with clergy called people randomly yeah, uh, that were friends of mine, people, school superintendents and various people that I just picked up the phone and said, I want your opinion on this. Yeah. My husband and I were getting ready to go on a, on a trip for our 40th wedding anniversary. So it was September 9th, probably mm-hmm. on or about in 19 and, and I'm sorry, in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was packing, I, I just stood there for a minute and thought, what right do I have? What possible right do I have for my husband and I to go out and celebrate 40 years of a happy marriage and deny other people the right to get married? That's an amazing story. And I called Teresa first, <laughs> Jeff Cook second, and then another one of the members of the assembly third and said, you have my vote. I'm going forward. Um, it's the right thing to do. Uh, of course, I got a tremendous amount from the Republican conference that I would never win again. Mm. That that would be my, I'd be a one one and done term. Uh, I said it didn't matter. It just didn't matter. Uh, there's a point where you, when you know you're doing the right thing, you just yep. do it. And I've never looked back, and I am incredibly proud that I'm on the, I was on the right side of history on that. That's, 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 that's gumption. I mean... You think about all the pressures that be and like, I think, um, when, when you grow up in an environment taught about life in a certain way, uh, it can put these, these, these barriers in your, in your tunnel vision in your, the way you see the world. And, um, it takes gumption to, to look beyond that. And that sounds like that's what you had to do in that moment. In the other was pretty similar. I would, of course, was the Reproductive Health Act. Okay. Where, yeah. Uh, Tell me more about you know, that one too. Well, yeah. Again, I've been a supporter of, of women's rights since the 1960s. Uh, you know, I grew up in that era of 
abortion being illegal and the back alley abortions. And I've had people say to me, oh, that's all just made up. It's not just made up. During the time I was living in New York City, I had a friend who bled out from a yeah. a botched abortion. Yeah. Uh, that makes you pretty committed to the cause. Yeah. Um, I, I've often said, I continue to say, because I'm pro-choice doesn't mean I'm pro-abortion. It yeah. just means that I don't believe in other woman's health and her decisions or any of my business. And I feel very strongly that way. It should be between the woman and her physician or her health care provider. Um, there are reasons. And, and to see what's happening today really upsets me. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I have met with young 14, young women who at 14 and 15 had abortions because of incest, mm-hmm. uh, raped by a brother or an uncle or a father, uh, and tell me that those children should have to carry a baby just, just really, really offends me. So mm. I, I think it has to be for good cause. I, I think that but I, I think that's a decision that people have to make. And I I stood up and spoke on the floor of the assembly. Mm-hmm. I think at that time when it really got heated up, I believe Teresa had already retired, has had a couple of other pro-choice Republicans. Uh, the last My last four years there, I was the only one who wow. would speak out for it. Uh, I, I did it. I, I spoke passionately. Because uh, it's something I passionately believe in. Uh, cost me three primaries, and three <laughs> primary yep. opponents who came after me because of the two, those two. It was a combination of the fact that I dared to support LGBTQ rights and a woman's right to take care of her own body. Uh, that I was, um, I was primaried. Um, they painted my lawn signs "baby killer." Wow. Uh, I actually with the state police and the city police. They convinced me to put full security into the office. I, I said, you know, somebody should be able to just walk in and talk to the assembly person. Yeah. They shouldn't have to come through all this. And 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 one of the BCI persons said to me, um, y- you know, what will be even more offensive is if he was an honorary pallbearer at my funeral. Got my attention. Yeah. Uh, so we have the security there. It's still there for the assemblyman now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought in Plattsburgh, you know, we That's just crazy. Should, shouldn't be at that point. Uh, subsequently, just a short time later, my husband and I put full security in my house uh, because of the threats. Yeah. The death threats. and the, um, it, it was a tough time. It was a really tough time. But Again, if, if you don't stand up for what you believe in, how do you look at yourself in the mirror? And, and how do I say to my daughter and my granddaughters, um, I'm, I'm here to protect you if I'm not. So yeah, it's, I've never wavered, and I never will. I think, um, I, I think that's what impresses me most about you, Janet. I mean, like every time your name comes up in a conversation, friends, family, whoever, it's like, now that's a politician who stood by her guns. And like people respect that, I I think from my circle, um, sounds like you've had plenty of uh, threats along the way too. But um, in modern politics, as a Republican, to be so, I I I mean, not to make the whole podcast episode very political, but that's real life conversation that we need to talk about. And I feel like, well, it was interesting, Ryan, because yeah. when when I. The first time I stood up and really spoke on, on, on a woman's right to choose, 
the Republican conference came at me bad, really heavy. Um, first of all, again, they thought I was going to lose the election. Mm-hmm. But more than that, they wanted me to rescind and just stop. Wow. Um, <laughs> to be very honest, the Democrats opened their doors and said, if you want to come into our conference, you know, you're welcome. Uh, the Republican Party was good to me over the years. You know, they took me in at 1975 when there had never been a woman running and 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 I started that way and and I've had great support through the Republican Party. Many of those people have now left the Republican Party, but um, I I just felt I, I I did not want to walk away from the party. I think if we don't stand within the Republican mm. Party and say that as Republicans we can still support the correct social issues and mm-hmm. defend them and be supportive of of health care and 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 again women's rights and people's rights to live their own lives i i think that government gets too intrusive um it shouldn't be up to politicians to say what people should do with their own bodies mm. as long as they're not doing something illegal or, or committing a murder or, yeah. or some sort of a crime and and they're turning this into crimes and it, it just is so offensive to me and and yet i I will always be a Republican because I think that if we don't stand up and, and have that branch of the Republican Party, um, we fail somewhere along the way. I'm a member of the National Republican Advisory Board for Planned Parenthood, and I recently joined the state Planned Parenthood Board as the token Republican. I, I kind of kid them about that. but Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I think that it shouldn't be because of politics. It should be because of what's right. Yes. And and by you staying true to that decision as well, to remain a Republican, th- that helps balance out the polarizing, what we've seen now, yeah. that like if you believe in certain issues that you have to be in one party or the other, you can you can stand true to your, your whole party core beliefs and, and have social uh, opinion and beliefs that are differ. Right. I mean, mean, fiscally, I was always a conservative and still am. Yeah. So I think there is that balance of I, uh, you know, I get upset with some of the bills I see coming out of out of Albany now because I think that they're certainly not in what I would be in line with. But Mm. it's. um, Yeah, yeah, it's it's more than politics. It's, It's about doing what you what your beliefs are. So you you started uh as a legislator, I did. Tell me about that part of your life where you decided, "I'm going to get into politics." <laughs> it, it wasn't quite like that. <laughs> it was 1975. My son was we were about to have my son's seventh birthday. My daughter was I don't know about four months old, and a gentleman from the pro-Republican Party came to our house and asked my husband to run. And he immediately laughed and said, she's the politician, ask her. (laughs) To which this guy replied, oh, no, a woman couldn't do this job. There's never been a woman. You're kidding me. Wow. There really shouldn't be a woman. A woman can't possibly get elected. Maybe someday, but not now. No, no way. So you got to know, you know my personality. By the time he left... I was running. Yeah, right. (laughs) I I can't pretend it was altruistic. I wasn't out to save the world. I was out to prove that a woman could run. I was running against a guy I had started kindergarten with. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't think I was going to win. I truly didn't. But I was going to prove that a woman could go out there and and run. And 
Uh, obviously, I, I did win. Is um, uh, an interesting side note. Yeah. My son-in-law now, Robbie Timmons, it was just shy of three days that 40 years to the day that he took the oath of office for the same position. No kidding. So, incredibly proud of him. And that little four-month-old baby was holding the Bible for him with their teenage daughters there. So <laughs> it was a very emotional night for me. I think probably even more than it was for them. But um, Oh, wow. Yeah, and then the first night I walked in and got sworn in, and I thought of it that night as he was being sworn in. One of my colleagues came over to me and said, you may think we're going to congratulate you. We don't want you here. You don't belong here, and we'll get rid of you in two years. Oh, so that was my introduction to politics. Pleasantries all around. Pleasantry. Just, you know, <laughs> really felt loved. <laughs> but, and I, and wow. I want to make it clear. And again, I think that's where I became bipartisan. You know, I've always yeah. I've received a lot of credit for being bipartisan. I'm proud of it. But there were Democrats on that first board who mentored me, who were gentlemen, who were very nice to me. There were Republicans who did, and there were Democrats who were mean, and there were Republicans who were mean. So I quickly realized that I'm in a different spot here. It's the nine guys and mm -hmm, me, mm -hmm. and I can't just be political, <laughs> nor do I want to be. It, was, it had never occurred to me to be just political, but that... I, I've got to foster relationships and, and know how to work this um, for what's right for the people yeah. that I'm here representing. And, and yeah. I couldn't do it without support on both sides. Any any interesting stories from that time that you can share? <laughs> yeah, we, we did a lot of good things, I, I think. And, and, you know, it was good 10 years. At the end of 10 years, I was ready to move on to the county treasurer's office. Wow! But, you yeah. know, at that time, there were there were no computers. There were we. In fact, we started the the government center was under construction. Wow. Um, so yeah, it, it it was an interesting. I've I've seen a lot. Um, this is my own um, naivety and, in some ways, privilege of growing up in the age of the computer. But how does one manage a full county? treasury so to speak with without a computer <laughs> it was we know we were, when i walked into the treasurer's office in 1986 uh, everybody was it was just calculators and pencils and and calculating out tax rates to the ninth or tenth decimal point it, it they wow. were all very very good at it because they had been doing it but the computers were just coming in to to really vogue and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i insisted that the staff members all go with me to Clinton Community College to learn how to work these crazy machines. Um, there were probably a lot of bad words thrown around. Yeah, <laughs> uh, everybody went kicking and screaming. But and and you know they were it was slower, it was harder to do. It was until you got into it and knew how to do it, and and so it it certainly changed the whole tenor of what we could do and. You know, we were able to put in the first integrated accounting system so that, in fact, departments could talk to each other without talking. You know, I mean, yeah. it was we, we actually could find out what the numbers were in every department and who was spending what and how. And uh, wow. and, and it was uh, it, it was a pretty interesting time. And and it gave us the ability for the first time to start in installment payment of taxes. Absolutely no way it could have been done with the hand held pencils and calculators. Um, we were able to do that. And that had been a dream of mine for years because of the way so many people struggle to pay that tax bill mm. and by doing it in, in three installments for school, four installments for, for land. It, it was 
it was such a relief to so many people. It's, that's probably the one thing in the treasurer's office that I received the most thanks for and sometimes still do. Just hang your hat on that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then at some point, you decide, I want to move on from that gig. And that wasn't exactly right either. Okay. So <laughs> who said you couldn't do it? <laughs> I was absolutely contented. I'd already talked to my staff about it because I had been elected, I think, the year that year. Um, and that that would be my last term. And I was just going to fade off into retirement from the treasurer's office. I, I, I love that job. I mean, I, I look at myself right now and say I was so incredibly fortunate. I had three political positions over 41 years. And I enjoyed every day I went to work. That's awesome. And boy, not everybody has is that blessed and that lucky. Mm. So I said, you know, I, I just a kind of a heads up. We're going to get everything we want to get done. We'll do it. We're we're going to have a good time. And and we had a great time in the treasurer's office. We had fun. We got a lot of work done, but we took time to have fun. We were at an event, and I remember it was at the Elks Club. I can't tell you what it was. I, I don't recall. It had to be some sort of a Republican something. Sure. And a small group of folks were at a table, and they called me over and said the incumbent assembly member had to go. Um, I yep, it was Orloff. Yep. So um, that he wasn't fulfilling his job, and that he wasn't serving the constituents the way he had been there twenty years. Yep, I remember um, that. And we had to find somebody. So I said, you know, I agree. I, I have, I think, I think we've got to, st- so. Like looking uh, over your shoulder, like, yeah, no, I started who, looking, yeah, I started yeah, looking yeah. for somebody. Yeah. You're looking for somebody else and they're <laughs> like looking at you. Like, so yeah. we, we agreed we would come back and meet again in a week yeah. or two. And, and, um, you know, we did. And, and I, you know, we were just kind of sitting there chit chatting and I said, and I had looked up his record and said, no, he absolutely wasn't. He was missing a, an astronomical number of votes in Albany and, and just there were a lot of things that that whether it was complacency I don't know and I'm not sure. trying to put words in his mouth but it just it was time yep so I said to them you know I'd talked to two or three people couldn't get anybody and they all just burst out laughing and said come on <laughs> are you serious you don't know it's gonna be you <laughs> and that's when I looked over my back and said who's in back of me here um it, it truly had not occurred to me Wow. So yeah, I, I yeah. I, I think now that was a little <laughs> so, naive. But so, I, so I then just what? Did, well <laughs> so, then I said, Well, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I kinda like where I am. <laughs> yeah. I, I kinda like what I'm doing. I'm pretty comfortable. <laughs> yeah. But I did agree that I would go home and talk it over with Elmer, my husband and my kids, and the overwhelming thought was, yeah, I'd try and do it. It you know, we were gonna face a primary. Um it's not easy to take out an incumbent in a primary. Again, I didn't think I could do that. Um, felt that he might beat me, but he. It, but my hope at that point was that then he'd go back to being really committed to the position. You would be the catalyst that gets him yeah, doing his that that do the job, doing do his it right, job. because yep. this is not about a personal thing; it's about getting the job done right. Yep. And. Um, so when was I it, when I announced and and we kind of started, I think it was a, it was a shock. I mean, we had kept it very quiet until I I had an announcement at what's um, now Best Western, and 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 it, it we went full bore. It was we had over a hundred people there that day, 
uh, some great speakers and really kicked it off with a lookout world kind of yeah. attitude. And uh, within and and I got a lot of pushback from some very important political folks who told me I could not, should not, would not. I haven't heard that right. theme yet in this podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, wow. And again, I, you know, I, my grandmother was born in Ireland on St. Patrick's Day. She lived for 98 years. I, people think that the genetics came directly from her to me. Uh, when I decide I'm going to do something, yep. uh, I don't care who it is. Uh, from the governor on down, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Yep. And that's when the governor gave, uh, the incumbent assemblyman the position on the parole board. Yep. To avoid a, and and they said to me, you you know we don't want a primary. I said, well, <laughs> guess what? I'm I'm in it. I'm yeah. I'm all in. Yeah. And and by then, and it was interesting. I raised a lot of money in a hurry. People, I, I was surprised at some of the folks who were ecstatic to think that I was doing it. Um, I really had not anticipated that, and you know, so we moved forward and. Um, <laughs> It was a great 10 years. It, yeah. it was a great ride in Albany. I, I was exhausted. It was very busy. But given some of the things I've been able to do and that I have done and uh, the number of people that I was able to help, I it, it, it was oh, wonderful. Yeah. It was an absolutely wonderful uh, time frame. And, um, you know, my family talked me in. My family ta- helped to talk me into going. My family convinced me that it was time to retire. So. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a nice wrap. And then six weeks at the camp. And six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> what tell me about like a typical day for 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 you when you were in that role? Like I know every day was different, but is there an answer to that question? Like a general <laughs> give paint a picture for, for the listeners of what it was like? A, a typical day never seemed to happen because somewhere halfway through something would blow up. Yep. And we'd move on to uh, something totally unexpected. But it would all depend whether I was in Albany or here, mm-hmm. first of all. You know, we've January to June in Albany, a lot of the time, three to four days a week. Back here from July through the end of the year, yep. which is was my favorite part. Yep. I never really enjoyed Albany. I mean, it was the necessary evil. We did the budget. We did a lot of things. That The time in Albany... And I think it's improved somewhat, but at that time, you know, it was nothing for us to stay in session till nine, ten o'clock every night, uh, doing bills that had been laying around for years. Wow! Just to me, wasting time. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I we did it for the same bills for the ten years I was there. I, I found it infuriating. Wow! Um, everybody served on committees. I, you know, I was very involved in the committees I was on meet with a lot of constituents down there which was fun and I you know because of my involvement in the autism world um, yeah and and my commitment to to that I would have people come from across the state to talk to me about it and certainly as I got into some of these most controversial issues I had folks popping up from everywhere to to tell me I was either right or wrong more pleasantries (laughs) (laughs) Um, back here in the north country it, it, it was different it was um it was more hands-on with yeah. people, uh, and it also was while well, I was in Albany too. Those those days that the Thursday Friday that I was home, we had meetings lined up pretty much in the office or a school tour or a business tour. Or, you know the opportunities I had to get inside of just about every 
major business in the North Country and get to know the the people who work there and walk through them and mm. find out what they were doing. And I certainly, I mean, 19 school districts. <laughs> Interesting. That's fun. I will tell you, when I first started, one of the guys from Long Island said to me, you have to go to your school district every week and get a picture taken with the kids. And I said, which of the 19 would you like me to choose? <laughs> 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 and he really couldn't get it. He was like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, those were just the fun things to walk into the classrooms and sit and talk to the kids and, and, you know, I'd be, I'm a kind of an impromptu person. So we'd yeah. be walking down the hall and I'd say to the superintendent or the principal, whoever I was with, and can I just pop into this room? And, and of course they always let me and teachers were always glad to see me, but it was th- those sorts of things and, and meeting with the different kinds of, of, I don't know, that was scouting or, mm. uh, all different and going to these sorts of events and meeting with with children and and speaking with them i one of the things that i've been able to carry over that i'm so grateful for is speaking at some of the schools some of our middle schools and high schools and um, plattsburgh state and clinton community college and and those i just I, i soak it up because i think we have a great generation coming up um and, and the Q&A, I mean, I'll give a very short kind of intro about my life, but the Q&As are, are just great, and, and to get them engaged and talk about it, it's, it's fun. So, um, you know, and, and again, a lot of nights I would be on the road, mm. uh, which is the reason my family got me to retire, to be honest, because of my glaucoma. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would go to events. At, it was 3,500-square-mile district. Oh, yeah. And uh, put a lot of miles on my car. Wow. But it was fun. It was, it, it was just a wonderful experience that I am honored and feel blessed to have had. And no, I wouldn't go back and do it. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I would. I would like to have started it a little younger. Oh, really? You uh, so of of the three jobs, assemblywoman was your favorite. It or... was the most satisfying. Mm. I mean, again, we did some good things in the legislature. I think that. I left my footprint there for no other reason than I was a woman. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I know I did some good things in the treasurer's office to to get the programs up and running and and to make it a top-notch office with mm. great staff. But the, the assembly position of being able to affect people's lives. Yeah. You know, whether it was getting health insurance for a child with cancer. Yeah. Um, assisting someone who, 85 years old, didn't have any fuel in their house. These sorts of things, uh, a state trooper or correction officer who had been disabled on the job, and the system in the state was so outrageously slow that two years later they were still on the brink of losing a home. And and, and I I had one CEO call me and say, "I, I can't buy a dress for my daughter for the prom. Um, being able to to wow. get those things expedited, uh, they will always be memories for me that that you can't duplicate and and you just feel so good doing them and and that's where I go back to that group of people who said to me, "You got to you get we got to serve the constituents. We've got to mm. work with people." And I, I had the chance to do that, and and I had great staff. I'm not gonna. I had marvelous staff. But I would usually make the initial phone call to an agency. Yeah. Even if it was somebody trying to get a liquor license. Yeah. I'd make the initial call and talk to them about it and then say, my staff will follow up or follow up with my staff. And I always made a point of calling back and thanking them. And I, 
it seems like such a simple thing. Yep. I can't tell you the number of staff people who said to me, Assemblywoman, you're the only person who's thanked us. Get out of here. Really? Isn't wow. that outrageous? That's crazy. Or the number of staff people who said to me, are you really the Assemblywoman? <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Um, because it's easy to pass it off. It's just not yeah. my personality. And I'm not saying that as any kind of a, it's just who I am. Yeah. Um, that's what I love to do. It's not because I did it for anybody to say, oh, wow, look at what she's doing. I just liked doing it. And I wanted my, uh, maybe I'm a control freak. I think yeah. I've kind of, as I've reassessed it, as I look back, yeah. I think I, I could have let go of a lot of that stuff and I just didn't want to um, because it's what I liked. But that's also how you made a unique impact that kept you energized oh, yeah. to keep doing it. You know, yeah. if, if you didn't wholeheartedly go in the way you needed to do it for you, I mean, you might have lost steam, right? Yeah. Oh, I think so. I think so. I, yeah. And, you know, there were a lot of sleepless nights. I guess none more than the June of 2015 when we went through the three-week escape. Um, yeah, tell me about that. Oh, man. I can't even imagine <laughs> what was going through your your team's head and your own head. Oh, my it, gosh. It, it it was the most difficult time I had through my 40-some-odd, 41-year career. Um, but it wasn't my part of it was not difficult compared to what the correction officers and, and the administration and, and the state police and, and all of those and the people who were part of living in that area went yeah. through. Um, I got the phone call at a little 6.30 that Saturday morning that uh, two inmates were missing. They thought they might still be in the facility. Um, but I let me back up and say I had a great rapport with every all of the prison systems, yeah, including the administration. I worked very closely with all of them. I I met with the commissioner of, of corrections. He actually asked and and came up to my retirement party to give a speech at his request. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, um, and I still am in contact with them from time to time. Not like I used to be, but and I toured the prisons a lot. Um, not because it was necessarily the most fun thing I could do, but because they're such a vital part of our economy mm. and the safety and security of the North Country. So when this happened, it it was certainly incredibly difficult. Um, I waited until later in the afternoon that first day to go up, partly because I, well, I guess I'll be absolutely honest about it. I didn't want to be there when the governor was there. Uh, he and I get along. I'm not, yeah. but I didn't want to be a part of a political thing. Yeah. I wanted to go up and meet with the correction officers. Yeah. Uh, to tell them I got your back. I'm, I'm yep. here. We'll do what we need to do going forward. Yeah. Certainly wanted to meet with Superintendent Reset. And I knew the commissioner and, and his top staff were there. Again, that's just who I was. I, Never cared if I got in front of a camera as much as yeah. I enjoyed the back, the back out, the back door stuff. So, I went up that afternoon and and met with them. Um, it's gumption. Well, <laughs> it's it's caring. Yeah, I, I guess I would look at it more as it's caring. The weeks that I and then of course I had to go back to Albany and and I said many times that my body was in Albany, my heart 
was in mm. in the North Country, particularly in the Dannemora region, and then over into Franklin County as things moved. Um, you know, Major Chuck Guess and I were friends when it started. We certainly became much better friends after. Uh, we continue to be in touch with each other. It it was a tough again. It, it's so tough, so tough for everybody. Um, I will always feel that. Steve Reset was treated very, very poorly. Mm. Um, I had a great rapport with Superintendent Mike Kirkpatrick, who succeeded him, and he's in Albany now, and he and I still go back and forth with each other. Um, but I think that the mistakes that got made were made at the administrative level in Albany, and I've had that discussion with the commissioner. Yeah. Um, before and after he gave my speech, <laughs> he yep. gave the speech for me. Yeah. But... Um, and, in, and I guess one of my most interesting stories, and I, I actually uh, said, spoke about it at, at Major Guess's uh, retirement party, that I was uh, in the break room in Albany, and uh, several of my colleagues from the city were there, and they were all chit-chatting about um, how what a waste of tax dollars on this escape, and all this money that was being spent, and and those guys are long gone. They're in Mexico. They're they're in Canada. They're not there. Nobody knows what they're doing. And for the for the first time in the years I had been there, I absolutely lost it. <laughs> 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 and I, I got. I think I was a little loud, and I said to them, "You know, if you're all so smart, get in your cars and drive about 160 miles north." And tell Major Guess what he's doing wrong, because I'm sure he would love your input. Yeah. Oof. And I dropped my salad in the garbage, walked out of the room, and, and to their credit, just about all of them came and apologized to me later in the day. Yeah. But then, you know, fast forward to March of 2016, and I had what is the best honor I ever had in Albany. I one week had all of the CERT team leaders, you know, that's a corrections emergency response team yep. the guys who were out there in the swamps uh, from across the state i had all of the leaders from across the state and the superintendents of the prisons uh, i honored them individually in the chambers and the following week i honored now retired major chuck guess and mm. now retired sergeant jay cook um, it was for the the applause and the reception they got was phenomenal and that that is just absolutely the greatest honor I had in ten years down there. Did you happen? <clears throat> I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, but did you happen to watch that Showtime sh special on no. it? Because <laughs> no, <laughs> I feel like I feel I was so nervous when I heard they were doing that because I was like, boy, they're going to dramatize this thing up into something that it doesn't need to be. But I was just curious. <laughs> no. And I refused to participate with it. I was. They asked me. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. <clears throat> and it's because it would take away from the real stories, right? It it was mainly because of my support for the correction officers, mm. and I felt that they would not portray the correction officers appropriately. Mm. And I think that's They're, fair. And that and and they are. Their jobs. If people haven't walked those blocks. Mm. And and done it more than once. I mean, I've seen correction officers who were thrown on um, with feces and and all sorts of anything. wow. And I was there enough, and and I walked it in real life. Um, and I admire what they do, 
it's it's a very dangerous job and they are committed and they are decent people and they work hard and they're they're always on the edge because you just never know when something is going to go wrong exactly and there are when we talk about volunteers i mean there are ems and fire department guys and little league guys and gals mm-hmm. and little league and scout leaders and, and and they're just a tremendous group and and people the general public has no way of knowing and understanding i didn't know and understand what goes on and the first time i went to clinton correctional i walked out and and, and a former superintendent actually my cousin pete lacy was with me and he's the one who said to me, you have to go. And I said, yep. well, all right, if you yep. go with me. Yep. And we did. And we walked out. And I said to him, oh, good. I'm glad I don't have to do that again. And he said, of course you do. You need to keep coming back and coming back and coming back because they need you. And I just looked at him and thought, oh, my God, i got to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> and and now it's, you know, I, I look forward to going back. So it's, um, but I just felt that they were, they were just not going to be represented appropriately. I think that's a, that's another example of gumption. Standing true to what you believe in. It's a recurring theme in this episode, and I, I really like that a lot. Uh, so you're retired now. I, w- I want to learn a little bit more what what you got cooking now. I know you know you said you're not nearly as busy uh, as you were, but what kind of things do you do for fun? What kind of things are you volunteering for? What are you passionate about these days? Well, my, I guess my two main passions, I'm still on a few boards, I've, not many, mm-hmm. but a few. But the two things that I am the most passionate about are honor flight. Great, great. Uh, it's when Sergeant, or sorry, Sheriff Rick Cutting uh, retired in, from Essex County. He asked me to take the position of Director of Operations. I, I had gone to all the honor flights except for two mm-hmm. when we were in session all night long and I couldn't get here. So I'd always been there and I'd always been a part of it. This is much different. It's and it's it's great. It it's an opportunity to to really meet with the veterans, to interact with them, to to be a part of a program that I mean, you want to talk about satisfaction, personal satisfaction, uh, to be able to do it. You know, I've always said my job is to hug every veteran. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I just escalate that now. I get to do it more often. Yeah, uh, and 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 it doesn't get any better than that. It really doesn't. My other passion right now is the medical aid and dying legislation. Um, it first came up in 2015. It didn't get out of the health committee at the time. And in 2016, at the last meeting of the health committee, which I had then become a member of, mm-hmm. I spoke very impromptu, didn't expect to, you know, I was fading away into the Great depth of retirement. Riding off into the sunset, yeah. And and I started to speak about it, and it's the only time that the bill has come out of the health committee uh, was after my speech. Wow. um, I've gone down several times. I've been down three times this year. I will go again uh, trying to get this legislation passed. I I don't understand the reluctance of of passing it, and and I tell my personal story. I mentioned earlier my dad died of mesothelioma. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we had hospice. They were wonderful, but they could not control the pain, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. it, it it was awful at the end. No, nobody should have to die that way. Yep. My mother made the decision to remove her feeding tube. Mm-hmm. 
She said to me, I never wanted, <clears throat> excuse me, she said, I never wanted to be an old lady with a drool running out of my mouth and look at me. She couldn't swallow anymore. She made that decision. She had the feeding tube removed and it took her 11 days to starve to death. Wow. Uh, she died of that and dehydration, I guess is really the main thing that causes the death. But I sat with her 24 seven, um, pretty much ran out to take a shower when somebody else would come in and, but, um, that's was, crazy. That's crazy. It persons. was horrible. It was horrible. And, and we had some really intense discussions, um, actually talked about the history of the family, some things I didn't know, you know, cause we had lots of time. Uh, she was still completely till she died. Absolutely lucid. She should have had the opportunity to make a decision. And when she made that decision to take out her feeding tube, she should have had the right to have medication that would allow her to die peacefully. Mm. Um, at one point she said to me, you know, when we've had to put your dogs down, you treated them better than I'm being treated. You know, when you put it that way, that's that's like the simplest way to yeah. describe what, yeah. what the problem is. About halfway through it, we called it our death watch. I mean, if you don't have a sense of humor sometimes during these yeah. times, you don't ever have anything. But um, she said to me, are you going to do a eulogy? And I said, gee, I don't know. I hadn't even thought about it. You wouldn't let me do one for dad. And she still had a twinkle in her eye. She couldn't smile anymore, but she had a twinkle in her eye. And she said, yeah, but you know what? I don't have to listen to this one. <laughs> Is that priceless? <laughs> I guess, you know, I did a eulogy. Yeah. But she, she had a good sense of humor. She had a great really. sense of humor. Yeah. And again, right up to the end. And when she finally died, my daughter, Michelle, and, and I were holding her hands. Um, my son, John, and, and our our husbands were there. And and, and, my, and it, it, was, it, it was peaceful at the end, thankfully. But she had been afraid that she was going to choke to death, that, that different things were going to happen. And I thought she shouldn't have had to have had those worries for those 10, 11 days. And so I'm, I'm committed. I, I, again, I think it's about choice. You know, yeah. somebody who doesn't want to do it doesn't have to do it. Right. Uh, there are so many safeguards in this bill. In fact, we're now getting pushed from some other people who are saying it's too strict. So just, just let us, if we could get this through and then if there are amendments down the road, maybe, but right now we are and you know, people, and I, some of the people in the disability, um, generation or, or, or population are, are opposed. I said, you know, I have a grandson who's on the spectrum. If I thought that he didn't, he could be misled on this, I, I would never be supporting this bill. Yeah. Um, I mean, it takes two physicians. It, it's a very, very stringent, it's based much, very much on the organ, um, yeah. death with dying bill, which has been in effect for 20 years without any repercussions. So, mm. um, I'm I'm hoping I just we just keep hoping that and the governor this fi year finally came out in support of it so would love to see it done by the end of June I don't know is there is there anything that uh, listeners of this podcast can do reach out to their legislators mm. um, reach out to the Assemblyman Jones and Senator Little and 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 any other legislators uh, to the governor um, I mean he said he would support it but he hasn't come out strongly. Give a little uh, poke. Give little, a little poke. Yeah. Email, phone calls, uh, leave a message. Um, it, it's anybody who supports us. And, we, and you, you know, about 70% of the people, regardless of politics, regardless of religion, regardless of where they live in the state, are supporting this legislation. I I, I just don't get why we can't, mm. can't get it through. Well, thank you for sharing that. And yeah. you 
Certainly. I, I feel like I've gotten a good dose of gumption today, listening <laughs> to the whole, uh, all the different stories you have. I'd like to pivot now okay. towards the the rapid fire section okay. of the Stories of Gumption podcast here. Uh, are you ready? Yep. <laughs> I'm coming at you fast. Or okay. S- sort of fast. <laughs> <laughs> Remember my age. I'm only just so quick. Right, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Question number one. What's a book that you would gift to a friend, and why would you gift that book? The Greatest Generation. The because Greatest I Generation. Because I think it's the Tom Brokaw book about World War II. Mm. And I think that our younger generations, and you didn't recognize the name, so I'll include you in the younger generation group, don't understand what these young soldiers at the age of 17, 18, 19 years old, when they were picked off from their local communities and their families and went overseas to a place they had never certainly seen and some of them probably never heard of to fight a war and almost, I mean, they could write letters that you might or might not ever get a response because they never knew where they were going to be and and what they went through during that era. Um, I think that it should be required reading in every school. Mm. I like that. I wrote it down. Greatest sure. Generation by yep. Tom Brokaw. Yep. Um, and certainly the the generation that was involved here back home. Yes. Helping the country become so successful while half of the population was gone, essentially. Had, right? had they not done what they did, we would not be living with the freedoms and the rights that we have, period. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I love that. I love that book, and I'm going to pick it up, actually. Yeah, please do. Um, if you could have, this is a fun question, question number two, if you could have a billboard anywhere, what would you put on the billboard? I would put on the billboard a lot of what I put on my campaign material. Oh, which, uh, which would say? Be ethical, accountable, dedicated, compassionate. I love it. You know... With all the nonsense in, and disagreement and just hate that we have in our world right now, that might be one of the best billboards that we need to... How do you and I get this billboard for real and make start just putting it around the country? Because I feel like that would be helpful. I, I think so, too. And uh, every day I think it more. Yeah. I, I think we really have got to get back to... A world of sanity and and compassion, and stop the bullying and the lies, and it's 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 so discouraging. Yep, I agree. Hard to be a Republican some days. Mm. But the gumption of staying true, <laughs> I, I I respect that a lot. Okay, question number three. Uh, what advice would you give? to your 18-year-old self if you could go back and do so? The same advice I give have given to my 18-year-old grandchildren. Uh, and my youngest granddaughter is now 18, who, by the way, will cast her first vote for her dad this year. She's pretty excited. Oh, that's awesome. But, um, to listen. Ah, yes. I think that in order to be successful, and it's something I had to learn to do, and I didn't learn it at 18, I... I hope I've learned it over the years to list, to really listen to what other people have to say 
because that's how you know where you should, what direction you should be heading in and or how you can help them uh, to be open to change. You know, I say to them at 18, you don't need to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. For God's sakes, I be- went to the assembly at 60. Mm. Uh, don't wait that long. <laughs> 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 uh, but um, don't don't be afraid to, to change, to, to have a different perspective, to... To say, hey, yeah, this isn't where I want to head, and be true to yourself. Mm. I like that a lot, and and I t- was talking. We were talking before we clicked the record button on this podcast. One of the reasons I I love doing this podcast is for that first that first reason you mentioned, listening. Yeah, that is such an Im- important skill, and and I've found uh, by beco- by doing this podcast, I am becoming a better listener. I'm interrupting people less when I get excited about a topic. And that is now translating into my being better at my job, being better at my relationships and my friendships. And that, I hope, transcends into a happier, happier, you know, interaction with everybody I come across. So more people need to listen. Practice listening. Absolutely. Uh, I like that a lot. This is my favorite question. The last question. My board of directors question. So uh, if we could put together a board of directors to guide and mentor you through the rest of your life, uh, who would those three people be? They could be dead, alive, uh, famous or not, but who would the three people be that you would select to be on your board of directors? Barbara Bush. Ah, I like it. I just got her book, actually, The Matriarch uh this week, and I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but I, I will be reading it yeah. hopefully yeah. soon. And, and, and why? I'm curious why for each person, too. Because I, she always spoke her mind. I mean, you want to talk about gumption? You want to talk about somebody who stood for what she believed in, whether or not her husband or anybody else believed it? Mm-hmm. Uh, she was one of the first women who I truly admired who stood up and was pro-choice mm-hmm. uh, against what President both President Bushes wanted. I think that she was very honest about her family and uh, criticized them when she felt they should be criticized, but certainly supported them unconditionally. I, I kind of look at her as the, the country's grandmother. Yeah. Uh, she was just a special lady who had the opportunity to see her at the uh, Republican convention. Uh, Did you? Yeah, the second term that uh, W. Bush was, G.W. Bush was, wow. was going into office, and I listened to her speak, and and, you know, met her briefly. I mean, certainly no long discussions, a shake of the hand. But That's cool, though. Um, it was absolutely cool. But I had admired her before, and I admired her even more after that. She's just, just a top-notch lady. Wow. Wow. Kevin Carroll. Kevin Carroll. Kevin Carroll was the president and CEO of CVPH. Ah. When I first went on the board, and then I served four years as chair, and obviously he and I worked together very closely every day. Um. We called him the tall guy. The tall guy. <laughs> Actually, his administrative assistant dubbed him with that, and it stuck. Nice. Um, Kevin was my mentor. Was uh, it was the early nineteen eighties, and and I don't remember what years I served on the board. I just don't. But um, after that, a, a little bit. But well, I was on the board and and a, an officer. But when I chaired it, was late eighties. But um, Kevin, Kevin showed me how to make better decisions mm. and how to make timely decisions. Yeah. 
and and his attitude was if 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 an issue comes up and and you need to do it you got to do it you got to deal with it and you know it's so much easier to procrastinate and hope it goes away mm. and i learned that that's that's not the way to it do usually it usually makes things worse yep <laughs> and i learned leadership skills from kevin i watched him with the staff there um, certainly he had his administrative staff but we would walk the halls of the hospital together and he knew everybody by name. He would stop and ask them about their day. Um, he would stop and ask about their families. And I thought, this is what a leader is. It's yeah. somebody who shows that he cares and how he cares. Um, he died last year, just about a year ago in May. And um, I still miss him. Yeah. We, yeah. uh, we stayed in touch. He, he died of Alzheimer's. For the, he was the most brilliant man I ever met. And for somebody like him to to lose that mind was mm. one of the saddest things I ever watched. But yeah. um, I, I I learned a lot from Kevin Carroll, and I will, I'll always miss him, but I'll always appreciate what he taught me. That's amazing. That's awesome. And finally, Tom Brokaw. Tom Brokaw. I think he would be fascinating to sit down with <laughs> when we look at what he's covered in his lifetime. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of the books he's written, I've read most of his books. I've read the one, obviously, The Greatest Generation. I wouldn't have read, read the one on Vietnam. I've read a couple of others. But his coverage of the 9-11, and I, w- I would love to know some of the backstories. Yeah. And I think to be able to sit down and talk with him about his experiences and pick his mind about the generation that he and I have lived in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which would just be fascinating. Oh, man. I was off by one year. I, I was very fortunate, very fortunate, privileged uh, to go to St. Lawrence for college. Oh. And the year before I graduated, he was the commencement speaker. Oh. Should have graduated early, Ryan, you yeah. slacker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, yeah, that, I agree with you. Tom Brokaw would be pretty yeah. darn cool. Him and for me, uh, different generation, but for some reason I see Tom Hanks as that way too. Yeah. I feel like there's something about Tom Hanks just being all that he's experienced and he's been very philanthropic yeah. um, in his life. But Tom Brokaw, that would be that'd be a good one. Yeah. Uh, Janet, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I learned a lot and uh, we had some laughs. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we talked about a lot of good things. Is there any uh, sending message you'd like to give to the gumption listeners today i think we've covered most of it ryan i think that you know i don't want to get into a lot of details about something else at this point i we've probably run way over our time limit but i um i guess that you know i had two retirement receptions Mm. one here in plattsburgh and one in malone and i did them as thank you receptions um used up every last penny of my campaign funds and and Actually raised fifty five hundred dollars for Honor Flight. Said, "Who needs three hundred nice. bottles of wine? Right. Please give money to Honor Flight." And, and yeah. I was absolutely delighted with with that the the amount of money we raised. But I did them as thank you receptions because obviously a lot of the people, government officials, and and supporters, and all those folks who were invited and um, had good turnouts at both of them. I, I wanted to be able to tell them thank you. But mm. I feel that same way about saying it openly to whoever is listening to this podcast. I truly am so thankful for the opportunities that I had 
to give whatever I could give and do whatever I could do for this great area that we call the North Country. It's I, I'm convinced this. The, there's no better place to live. People ask me, are you going to move to Flint? No, I, I'm never going to go. I'm never going to go anywhere but here. Um, and I, you know, I whether I go into the grocery store or into a restaurant or walking down the street or whatever, usually there's somebody who wants to stop and chat. And I think how lucky I am that at this time, I'm in my third year out and people still care enough to say hello and want to talk to me. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm very blessed, and and so thank you to to the North Country. I would say that's a perfect send off. <laughs> well, well, thank you again, Janet. This has been a phenomenal uh, conversation, and I feel privileged to be able to sit down with you for an hour today and and learn a little bit more about your story of gumption. Uh, quick thank you to our sponsors. Um, don't forget, check out uh, Open Gate Farmstead. They are a stone's throw away from the Osable River. Check them out on YouTube or their social media. Kavanaugh Realty, hashtag local matters. Joey and Galen Trombley doing great things uh, for our economy, by helping our neighbors buy and sell their homes. And then this episode's featured sponsor, Sparker Clean. Uh, give them a call, 518-578-2931. They provide professional and economic cleaning solutions to residential and commercial structures. They specialize in window cleaning, floor care, carpet extraction, and auto boat detailing. They're on Facebook, Instagram. Check them out. Sparker Clean, S-P-A-R-K-I-K-L-E-E-N. That's Zach and Kate Hoyt. Great people. I really like them a lot. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Janet, thank you again one more time. And uh, My pleasure. Thank you, Ryan. Everybody, until next time, enjoy. Enjoy.